0: If you believe in your business model and you understand all the ramifications and you understand the whys and all of that that goes into it, okay, not just that I need to make my mortgage payment or whatever, but your clients will also believe in your business model. And that's the truth. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. This is Episode 2. Please welcome my VP of everything, liz O'Matic, matic and I am Cheryl puba Liz is sliding in here by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin, chin. like I'm not kidding you. What the heck were you doing right before we record a podcast for the love of pee? Our number two episode, and I'm sitting here like nervous as all get out, and you are gallivanting. What was, were you doing?
1: I, I was doing very particular market research. Now, we had a client who had to pop in and we were talking about oh. her expenditure. So it's topical.
0: Yeah, okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> Oh, it was just, uh, you know, it, it makes me crazy. I am like the Girl Scout of all Girl Scouts, and I'm always prepared. Liz is, we call her, you know, liz for a reason, and she is our get-it-done person. And I will tell you, she will fly by the seat of her pants more often than Cheryl can do. Well, so it's
1: Friday, and it's before a holiday weekend, so I only have so much time. Yeah, 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 okay. So,
0: okay, now, we're going to get rolling with our topic today. We only have 30 minutes, and God knows it takes me that long to say my own name, so I want to get going and... And uh, hopefully we can make it through all the little bullet points I'd like to make. After episode one, we got a lot of questions about, you know, what the heck do you mean when you keep talking about a minimum expenditure and project pricing? You know, give it up, woman. What is this? Okay, we've gotten this from several people. And I know it's a hot topic because it comes up in our small business, think big Facebook group all the time. Okay, so today, Lizzo, Matic, and I are going to take you on a bit of an adventure into the underbelly of our project pricing business model. Buckle up, as this one might be a little bit of a controversial episode. Right out of the gate, episode two, and we're going for it. All right, Liz, are you ready? I am. All right, good deal. All right, so here is the deal. You can maximize your profitability with project pricing. Okay, so yeah, I'm all about it, because I like to make money. This is valuing your experience and expertise and not your time. Repeat after me, everybody. Right now, my time is not for sale. Having a project pricing business model allows you to project profit, okay? And to keep a business going, you must be able to project profit because I have to pay Liz and I have to pay the other people that work for me and I have to pay for the mortgage on our building. So I have to be able to make sure that I have money coming in. This is pretty basic, right? And revenue is okay, but profit is the real dollar bills you get to put into the bank. But to do project pricing successfully, you have to change the way you think about your product and your brand. You must find your A game and hone it until it's shiny and bright to be really profitable. It, it depends on your ability to deliver your product to the marketplace that others will buy for more than you spend to produce it. Right? That's kind of like basic economics, high school, right? Did Indeed. Liz did you take that? I mean, I don't. I don't remember taking economics, but I got the, the business part down. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to understand how best to price that product and how to market it to the right customers who want your product, and then be able to deliver a stellar experience using the product. This is really the essence of running a business. Projecting profit is this essential part of uh, the profitability in any successful business, really, but it's it's very intentional, okay? It's very intentional. Intentional uh, and, and doing things with intent is a, a really, like, to me that is one of the best kept business secrets is being intentional about what you're doing, whatever that may be. You know, and it allows for stability over a period of time telling you, yeah, you can add an assistant. Yeah, you can invest in new office equipment. Yeah, you can get an outside office from your home. You know, I mean, what else do we do with pavers last year? You know, we mm-hmm. got pavers in our, in our building. Uh, we did a, um, you know, a website reboot. We've done different things that we know that I can project out because I have the profit coming in. I have it under contract with a client. Clearly, you can't run a successful firm poised for growth, you know, unless you're some kind of famous superstar designer, and that ain't us, if you can't project the profit accurately, right? You know, so here's the way I look at it. By this stage of my game, if I don't know what my product, and I'm saying that in air quotations that you can't see, costs for design, then I do not think a client should hire us at all, really. Really? I mean, right, Liz? I mean, if we don't know what our price is going to be, if we can't look at a scope of work and actually determine what that price is going to be for the design work of it, I'm not talking about project management all that right now, okay? I'm just talking about the design. If you can't do that, then I don't think the client should hire you because I think it's really important to be able to do that. Project pricing has little to do with actual time in my firm. It's what I value the project from an agreed-upon scope of work. So it makes you, you know, have to hone in on your scope of work for sure, right? We have not charged for time in many, many years. We charge for delivering a creative vision with specific and measurable deliverables. Liz has never really known anything different than project pricing for the most part. What is the easiest way, because I know people are going, okay, Cheryl, you know, I've heard you talk about this, or, or maybe you haven't, maybe you're brand new and you haven't heard us talk about this at all. So, or been in my group, Small Business Think Big uh, on Facebook, And maybe you have no clue what I'm talking about. So Liz, what's the easiest way to explain this concept of project pricing with a flat project fee and a contracted minimum expenditure?
1: How can you do that? So for us, the easiest way to compile this information is to consider what our design fee is going to be, which is going to be a flat rate in most cases. We're going to have a minimum expenditure, which is associated with the product. And for that, we typically know whether we're doing a furnishings project or a kitchen or bath remodel, what type of margins we're going to be looking at for the type of product that we're procuring. And then our project management is going to be a facet of this, but we do that hourly because of course we can't really predict it. And the best sort of quality that comes from this type of structure is being able to really plan ahead. This gets presented to the client right during the scope of work, so they know what they're engaged with us to be contracted to over the course of the project. It's a minimum, it doesn't cap them in any sort of way. And it really helps us to be able to say, once we sign on to that job, this is what we have lined up for this timeline, so that as we look ahead and look at all of our projects and in total, we can really be able to see what is going to be happening, who we need to have for staff, what we need to be planning for, for our actual time in the office, and all of those types of details. I mean, it's, it's
0: glorious, really. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful business model if you're doing it right, but it's not a slam dunk. It's not something like, oh, that sounds like a great idea, Cheryl. I think I'm going to just go change my business model right now today and do that. It doesn't work that way. And a lot of people get hung up on it being a budget, right? I mean, we right. hear that a lot from designers, you know, that like, well, they, they decide not to spend that much budget or whatever. You never say to the client that it's a budget because it's not. You know, let them spend what they're going to spend. This is a minimal amount that is contracted uh, to, to be under contract
1: for us to be able to project that out, you know? And we talk about the fact too that this is really a more proactive role for us to take in how we're managing our client projects, rather than being reactive to whatever happens to come down the pipeline. We know if we can take on bigger or smaller projects because of this, and we can really decide if we want to feather in little things from clients who show up, you know, after we finished a big remodel or who might want to redo their office. It really gives us the opportunity to see better where we can squeeze those things in. Yeah, it's managing your resources, and
0: your your most important resource is is actually your uh employees and your time okay that is your absolute most valuable resource and right now i could tell you exactly what we have contracted on the books for the rest of the year i have it down there like we really don't have to work anymore this year except for putting things into 2024 and we're going to be okay i can pay everybody i can pay the mortgage payment Uh, i was just talking to david outside you know about doing a deck and by the way liz he said he had not talked to him about checking things in so You need to get on with him, excuse me y'all. I know we can make payroll and pay myself. I know we can pay the mortgage on the building. I know all of this. I know we can buy new computers this year, you know? This knowledge and security allows me to pursue our projects with gusto and really develop a strong team. I have a reasonable idea of what my future is holding. And let me really, let me slow down a second and tell you the brilliance of this. When you are focusing on this product that you're planning to deliver, it helps a client focus on the end results and not the million tedious and important steps needed to get there. This sets the stage for a good working relationship and focusing you know ahead and not on the minutiae that can get in the way in the client decision making and create the experience that we really want for our clients and we are really big on the experience part this is like super important to us and client management is important and we like working with people that we really you know like and we want to, to work with you know um, so let's talk about now a little more specific though Liz um, about the goal of incorporating the minimum expenditure. Valuation
1: to our project pricing. Let's talk about a little bit more about the minimum spend. Sure. So, um, typically when we are first talking with um, a client in our discovery call and, you know, we follow up during the consult meeting about this as well, we like to be able to talk to them about the fact that there are going to be tangible portions of their project that need to be procured. And that is going to be a part of the involvement that we have in their project. So for us, we use the minimum expenditure as a way to set a baseline for what we feel we need to be able to take away from the project. And we also try to direct this towards what the scope is going to be. So we know that we can get a certain percentage of the work done with a reasonable amount of assurance if, within that right. number. It's not necessarily ever, just like Cheryl said, forecasted or pr- um, presented to the client as a budget, but really the important thing for them to understand is we're alleviating them of the need to have to go spend elsewhere. We're going to help them with all of the concepting. We're going to present beautiful materials and inspiration. And this is going to be how we help them navigate the actual execution of their project. Now, the other parts of the expenditure that are important and that we like to be sure that we get across, because a lot of people do have questions about this, is the fact that we work with lots of different types of vendors that we really like to be sure that the investment the client is making in the project is going to go as far as possible so for us to be able to control a certain amount of that procurement allows for us to be sure that priorities are met over the course of the project needs and we also are really really keen to make sure that the type of product that's being installed in the project is going to be of the quality and caliber that we want
0: absolutely And and pricing products at a fair price ensures a win-win for both you and the client. And this is the whole idea, right? I want my relationship to be a win-win. I want the client to win and I want to win. You know, I don't think people expect you to not run a profitable business. I have never met a client that says, Oh, I don't want you to make any profit, Cheryl. I mean it doesn't work that way. But you know, you have to gain the trust of people because like you know, people are, you know, they're they're distrustful sometimes of, of people trying to get in their pocketbook and, and you have to really establish all that trust. So that's why I say that this is not something it's so important to understand this. It is not something that you just go out and do, okay? And, and the idea when people say, well, I've just got it in my contract that all the purchasing goes through us. I mean, like, what the holy heck does that mean, okay? The purchasing goes through us. What does that mean? Is there a number on that? is it something that you can project that is a uh, that, that is projecting profit out there? You know, revenue, obviously, and then times your, your profit margin is going to give you that profit. So is that what it's doing? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, why do people say things like well, that? Well, it's actually
1: funny know. because just this morning, the meeting I was in right before I came down here, that was one of the big takeaways for our client is that she's kind of navigating through the dynamics of this remodel. You know, her budget is more strict than she had originally anticipated because there's been some other things that have come up. But the real takeaway for her was, you know, I've worked with you guys many times before. You've always taken good care of me. I trust you. And ultimately, I want to make sure that this is profitable for you for us to stay engaged together. So it's important to me that you benefit from this relationship as much as I she have. Said that. And it really was poignant because you know, sometimes the dynamics of the type of project that she's in can be frustrating from our perspective, because they're more um, new construction or remodel focused. So you're not necessarily sitting there with a really nice big you know, huge living room or master bedroom worth of furniture that just is a quick sell. You really have to develop that and and be able to get the trust of the client so that they understand that your product knowledge is there, that you're going to be able to help them navigate the quality of what they want in their home, and then be able to deliver on it to be able to get them the product and navigate the bidding and get them to where they want to go.
0: This is just one part of this type of uh, business model, and I'm I'm thrilled that she said that. I so I forgive you now <laughs> that you weren't out here to review the podcast, you know, notes and everything, so we know what the heck we're talking about and get on the same page here. Although this is a topic we talk about all the time, so it's pretty easy to do, and and I'll have to watch my time to make sure I don't go over on it. But but the truth is, is that that's a great thing that she said that, and she does trust us, and and you know, this is the third time we've worked with this client. I will confess that this is a client that we uh, that we charge hourly for because it was very difficult. To get a hold of her scope, because of the personality and whatnot, and the in the fact that um, it was just extenuating circumstances, and it's okay to have some hourly clients. The whole idea about the flat fees and and doing it in project pricing. I mean, she still has a minimal expenditure. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Right, right. Um, that's what Liz was meeting with her about. But it's, it's really to make sure that you have enough money to do what you need to do. It doesn't mean that you can't take on some quick hits that are hourly or some that really just the scope is really a little more elusive, but not on big projects. You know, this is a small project for us, but on bigger projects, we have to be able to have that. So, so here's the bottom line to sum it up. The minimum expenditure is a number we have determined that we need from this project in order to say no to the next three projects that come along or the next five if you're solo, or maybe the next eight, depending on how big it is. So i want to repeat that, because I want everybody to really understand this. The minimum expenditure is a number we have determined that we need from this project, okay, in order, based on the scope, in order to say no to the next three projects that come along. And that, folks, is that. It's a powerful and simple statement, however you say it, because it is the truth. And I love the truth because I can't tell a lie to save my life. I can't keep track of them. I never have been able to. That's my mother. So I'm just telling you, this is something that's really powerful. And if there's one wish of a legacy that I would like to leave as a design coach and design firm, obviously we run an active firm, but I'm also a business coach, it really is this. This is really, this mindset and the and the attitude about this is really something that to me, that's what I want on my epitaph, you know, is to have something that really is like, wow, that's an aha moment, Cheryl, that makes total sense. You know, no client can really say no to that. It's not that we necessarily say that to every client, but I have said it. Mm-hmm. I've said it plenty of times,
1: you know? And there are plenty of instances where, especially when a new lead is first contacting us during a discovery call and they're curious about, you know, why do you structure things things this way or you know what if i don't like the lines that you work with or you're not finding what i'm looking for Uh, you know first of all that's never happened we've never had a situation where we haven't been able to cater to the aesthetic needs of a project but it's important for them to understand that it's it is a requirement based on how we work no matter what the type of project or who the client is and the reason is because we have to be able to structure the project in a way that allows for us to forecast ahead and we need to know that this client is serious about engaging with us on a certain stage of complete completing this project because we're going to go into the deep depths of our soul to be be able to come up with the concepts, to do all this brainstorming and to come up with these ideas, we need to be sure that they're going to actually move forward, that we're going to have momentum to be able to execute the project and to really fine tune all of the details that are going to be associated with executing.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And again, you know, this is, there's a lot to this. And again, I've got 30 minutes, right? So we're not going to go into a lot of this right now. Um, but, you know, but this is what I've teached. I've been teaching this for a long time. I'm, I'm fairly well known for, for talking about this concept. And a lot of people sometimes I see in Facebook groups will talk about it and they really, I read what they say and they have no clue. They, they don't understand really the intricacies of what you need to understand about how this business model works. But one of the things is we don't go outside of our vendor lines because not only does it affect our profitability, but we're developing vendor relationships is very crucial. I mean, this needs to be demonstrated to any client, no matter their budget. And I think that that's part of it, is that we have cultivated these relationships, right, with these Mm -hmm. vendors, but they're very broad. When I started selling product, um, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, because at first I did mostly kitchens and bathrooms and remodels for the first part of my career. When I did that, I really went and I spent a year researching lines, going to market, researching lines and deciding what would have the most breadth, the kind of, uh, you know, background that they had. I don't like working with, uh, you know, investor groups and things like that because, you know, it might happen just like it just did, you know, with. Bob and Ted and Alice or whatever the name of that company is, <laughs> that just, uh, you know, shuttered their doors like, uh, you know, suddenly and left a lot of people holding the bag with, with orders out. You know, I like dealing with family-owned companies and that sort of thing. Can't always do that, but I really like doing that. So this is something that's really important to us as well. And that's one of the things is you have to invest in these lines and know their products so well. So then they feel that you're a partner and you're going to get the best pricing, which makes it so much better because then it goes back to the what, win-win for the client. Right. Now, It's not bulletproof, right? Okay, it's not bulletproof, all right? I mean, we didn't have any issues with it during COVID. It is under contract, okay? So it is under the contract. But you know, sometimes things happen. We had a client that is now actually have, Come back, and we knew this would happen. But they spent the entire fee, and it was a hefty fee. I mean, hefty fee because it was a new build. And then her husband got uh, relocated, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to go. So he had, and he had a non compete. So now we're working on their rental, uh, or not the rental, but the the house they bought to stay in while they build the new house and um he's gonna be back here in town they're actually living apart and um we're helping her with that and you know do a kick-ass job for her because you know we obviously want her to get good money out of that to Absolutely. be able to put it i asked her i said this isn't gonna affect our furniture budget right you know and she goes no 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 it won't it won't but we, working with her and so that happened and we had to delay that okay so we had to delay that minimum spend so uh because of this so there are you know it's not bulletproof but it sets a tone from the beginning and will help you project income uh, and resulting profit and set a course for sustained growth. This is really the best way to, to make sustained growth. Um, The project pricing, it it must be understood fully by you and the client, though. It's not just a thing. You know, like I've said, I I probably will say that another couple of times because I believe in the repetition, you know, part of everything. I think we have people here have to repeat things to me. But also, I think it's important to plant seeds and repeat things to clients, too. You know, this is a business model and, and it has to be really well thought out. But we do believe in repetition. Our magic number is five. Okay, we repeat how we work because this is important. You just don't give a client a contract and say, "Oh, by the way, we have a minimum expenditure and a flat fee, whatever." No, 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 no. That's not good. That's not building trust. How would you feel if someone did that to you? So, we we repeat how we work five times at different intervals in the life cycle of this lead that we have until they become a client. Five times, every time, always. This is one thing that is sacred. At, in detail, I'm telling you, this is what we do. So Liz, you're the custodian of the magic <laughs> five times, you know, and this is so important. I mean, we never vary from it.
1: So, so tell people what the five times are. So of course, we're gonna have a certain amount of this information um, kind of understood on our website. We want people to be able to understand that there is a dynamic in how we work with our clients And typically, when they first contact us for a discovery call, that's the first time I'm really having the opportunity to speak with them about it in more depth. It is always a part of the conversation. Um, We try to make sure that these conversations are nice and kind of conversational. As we talked a little bit about yesterday, you know, we want to make sure that people feel comfortable. But I am going to nail down, usually about three quarters of the way through the conversation, the details about what the the flat fee and the expenditure are going to look like not in terms of specific numbers, but in terms of the dynamics of the details for them to understand if they should hire us for a project, this is what they're gonna be contracted with, and this is typically how we handle those details then we're going to obviously send our follow-up email which is just an opportunity to have it in writing this reiterated very
0: indented liz was not a big bullet point person before she met cheryl took me and i am like bullet points you know are your friend you've (laughs) got to make it so that people can read it you know I, i will say i'll interject there um seeing a squirrel across the room here is that you know a credit card statement you know when you have credit card statements they 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 have all that crap in there you know those thin little pieces of paper and it has all those words and they're tiny little letters and they're all smushed together in one big thing. It's because they don't want you to read it. They don't want you to go and read all that crap. So that's why they do that and put it that way. We want to do just the opposite. We want to make it really easy, space it out, put bullet points in that follow up email from the discovery call. Now you may think that that's not like, you know, that big of a deal, but trust me, it is. It is a very big deal because we're not going to engage in a project. We'll talk to them about it all day long, but we're not going engage in a project and I'm not, uh, where we're not following our process with it right so go ahead <laughs>
1: I think the other point to make too about that in terms of making sure that it's in the email is usually that is my opportunity to make sure that the hottest points from the conversation I've had with the new prospect are elaborated for them to reread and to potentially share with their partner or whoever else is going to be part of the project. I think that we sometimes take for granted the fact that people are busy. Sometimes we only hear what we want to hear. Sometimes we get distracted a certain percentage of the way through a conversation with people. So this is kind of the extra assurance that it's being mentioned. The more that we can address these type of questions and this type of structure earlier on in our process, the better we can set expectations for people before they engage with us, and that's critical for us. So, then once we go to the consult meeting, this is going to be the next time that the expenditure gets addressed. That's when I get to talk about it. Right. And then from there, we present a scope of work. Once we wrap up the consult meeting, we hash through our notes back at our office. We present a really beautiful visual scope of work. And that document is going to outline for the client both the flat fee and the minimum expenditure, along with a bunch of sort of details and notes associated with what the expenditure is about, what can be included in it, what would be discluded from it, and how it is that we handle the sort of navigation of concepts and procurement and all of those sort of details. For us, it's really important to be sure that this information is very, very clear, and we want to make sure that any questions the client has, they get them out right up front. Yep.
0: Yep, absolutely. And and this is and this is the thing. This is the, the truth, y'all, is that I've been doing it for a long time and uh I never worked for anybody else. So, you know, I had no like, <laughs> you know, real ideas of what to do other than I was in radio and sales and media and marketing and all that sort of thing. So I had a good grasp of all that, but you know, I hadn't worked for another design firm to really know that people did it this way or that way. And I think sometimes people get hung up on that. I think sometimes when you haven't done that, then you actually come at, come at this whole uh, situation with a more problem-solving thing. My problem-solving, mm-hmm. uh, this came about, y'all, when I, could, I couldn't sleep at night wondering, oh my God, now I have three people. Now I have four. Oh my God, I'm thinking about buying a building. Oh gee, we want a warehouse. You know, Can I pay for that? Can I pay for that? You know, and, and at some point, it was the epiphany that, well, I have to know if I have money coming in hello. You know, I can't just hope and pray that, you know, we're busy and we do get leads every single day, but I can't hope that all of those are going to be great leads and they're, they're, we're going to charge hourly and they might buy something or they might not, or I might have this ambiguous, well, all the purchasing goes through me kind of thing, which is really for most people is not really outlined enough and and not really understood by the clients. I mean, I've coached people for six years now. I, I know because I've seen this and I've talked to people about it. So it's really, it's, it's super important. I think in that regard to realize that it's um, that this is this is solving really a problem for a lot of small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of being able to sell it and market it and all of those things, you know. And so, so now the other part of this, let's talk about. Um, before we lose our time, let's talk about the you know, determining the fees, right? This is one of the most discussed topics in all of the designer world land, you know, whatever about determining fees. You know, you see it all the time. I've got a 5000 square foot house, you know, what do I charge, you know, kind of thing, which always just makes my eyeballs roll back into my head because, you know, they don't give enough information about you know, the scope or anything else, you know, to know, like, well, I don't know how to charge either because I have no idea where you are or what the scope is or what you deliver or anything else. And it varies by, you know, designer to designer. So to me, and, you know, flat fees are the best way to go for a firm that wants to grow because they allow you to project the profit, right? You know, you know, along with the minimum expenditure, you know that there, this is the amount of revenue you have coming in from that particular project. You know, and there's no big like, uh, mystery to this, to a client or anything else. I mean, I, I personally think, in the type of clients that we deal with, which are busy professionals, great people, I mean, really, we are blessed with a wonderful client list, and we work with them over and over again, and I think that's very intentional also, you know, it always, oh, yeah. hasn't always been that way, and I think that's very intentional. But I think that they want us to be successful, and most people, y'all, really do want to do business with successful people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've heard that, dress for success and all that you know, 1980s stuff. So a- hourly rate pricing, though, it, it's, it's more likely to create a commodity. Okay, so a commodity is something that is the same. All right, it's just only differentiated by price. So if, if, if designer A charges $150, and designer you know, B charges $175, and designer C charges $130, you're competing there on price oftentimes when you are charging hourly. Not always, depending on how good your marketing is, but you're not selling a
1: product that's the same as everyone else's, right? You really mm. aren't. So. And we really believe too, you know, part of the hourly dynamic does break down that mentality that people are going to have about what the value of your approach to design right. is. Yes. So there's a certain mental, you know, thing there for people when you start talking about, oh well, how long is it going to take for me to select this or select that or to revisit the plans. You don't want to have people thinking that that is going to be the make or break of their design work. Being able to really forecast and set a flat fee sets you in a much better position for the client to feel like they can predict against what it is that you're presenting. They know that you know generally what it's going to take to get them where they need to go. And they're not going to have to worry about getting a bill that's broken down by how many seconds you spent on, you know, reselecting that green lamp or trying to figure out the pillow fabrics.
0: Right, and, and doing that is... is is kind of crazy anyway. It's a pain but in the ass. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> but it's unnerving, right? It's unnerving to deliver a big number to a client that you, you desperately want to win over and, you know, it might send you into like crazy land, you know, trying to come up with this and you think it's the default reaction is to go hourly. I only find really most designers that um, either are really uber successful and way up the food chain and they can command these really big fees and they never have to worry about work or, or newer designers because they haven't mastered yet uh how to how to determine a scope of work and to really price it so that's that's usually what i see but but here's the thing you have to learn to determine a flat fee with confidence okay you have to learn a flat to, to determine this fee with absolute confidence and then you deliver it to the client with that same confidence you are basing this flat fee on metrics uncovered in your business okay it's not something that you're pulling out of your hat Okay. So the other mindset you might want to consider is, you know, when you price these creative services hourly, you're selling time, you know, and that's how a client is going to quantify your value too. Mm-hmm. When you're selling time, right? I mean, that's how they're going to quantify your value. And we've seen that, you know, when the, the few times here and there, we've done some projects by the hour or whatever. I mean, it's really the truth. Okay. It really is. And, and here's the thing too, you, your product, okay, has had a lot of R and D for years, all right? If you're not a brand new out of the box designer, you know, fresh out of school or whatever, you know, you have been working on this for a long time. Why are you quantifying it by the hour? You know, why? Most of the time, because maybe you're scared because you know, well, that client, I don't, they might not make up their mind or they might do this or they might do that. Well, there's always contingencies for things like that. But first I would say, and this is not the time to go into this, but maybe another uh, episode, is really that you need to make sure that you're managing that client and you're not taking that client on in the first place if you think you're gonna have that, that problem. But we do not charge for time ever, okay? We do not charge for time ever. We charge for our experience, our expertise, and most importantly, the creative vision that we're going to deliver and the results, okay? That's really what we're delivering, right? hmm.
1: It's important for us to be able to really get a good overall sense too that a client knows that they're going to be engaged in the long haul with us. And so a certain amount of the flat fee in that structure is being able to get away from this mentality that it's going to be these quick little decisions and separate meetings and things that are not going to be as productive for the overall. Right. Right. Exactly. And flat fees re- reward productivity, right? You're incentivized
0: to work very efficiently to maximize the effective hourly rate. Okay. You have less motivation to improve processes when you are charging hourly. And let me just tell you that your processes being improved and being spot on are one of the most important determining factors of your success. Okay. So, so to me, this forces you to be a better Business owner. That's the absolute. And you might think, whoa, Cheryl, this is crazy. You know, but it's really not. It's not crazy at all because the process needed to determine a flat fee is not as easy as throwing out an hourly rate. That's the easy way out. That really is. It means knowing your business really well and being able to calculate flat fees accurately so that you are profitable, but also so that the client is content. With the overall fee so that they're happy again going back to that win-win right you know there is so much head trash dwelling in the minds of so many designers that they cannot possibly do a flat fee and that hourly helps prevent scope creep or changes or indecisive clients etc all of these issues are nonsense absolute nonsense you can build into your fee contingencies and plans for all of this you know and and don't you think liz that hourly billing really comes across far more task oriented and not about, not so much, uh, about the creative vision, you know, when you're doing that? yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, again, we're trying to establish with our clients every single time that this is an experience, that we're going to be, you know, friendly and fun and have a great time doing this and help really get them excited about the potential for their space. Any way that we break down that type of experience is going to work in the negative for us. So, it's important for us to always be keeping an eye to the overall, to the more creative thoughts, to the overall ideas. This really helps the client. client look at it that way, too, because they start to think, well, you know, Cheryl's got the big, beautiful thoughts about all of this. So whatever she says goes. Yeah, yeah. And here's my two cents. If flat fees don't work for you, then I respectfully submit.
0: You might not be doing it with an intentional business model. It's not the choice that's the issue. It's more likely a disconnect in explaining the deliverables to the client or letting scope creep come into play without any sort of ramifications. Or maybe it's not your ideal client or lack of managing the process, which is the most common. You have a unique product. You must be able to price this product like any other new cool thing brought to market. There are inherent attributes to your product. What are they? And what are they worth to your ideal client? Designers will say they wish they could do project pricing or or blah blah blah. Oh, Cheryl, I can't do that. It's too hard. I've had all these things and all that sort of thing. But you know what? You know it's there's obstacles, right, Liz? There's there's obstacles that people come up, and I think that that we have seen them all. You know, with our with our coaching and our in with tdp and that sort of thing I mean- oh
1: absolutely i mean just like anything in sort of a good overall business strategy you have to really eat sleep and breathe it you have to be able to really ingrain it in how you operate you have to be able to look at your historical data and figure out how it is that you're going to put these numbers together and you have to be able to talk to the client very comfortably about how they benefit from this it really is a structure that is going to give them less angst they're not going to have to worry about going around looking for things on their own and they're going to be able to have the assurance that you have vetted the vendors and the product and all of the logistics of what it is that you're recommending right so it's perfect for their space you have to you
0: have to know how to sell it you really do you have to you have to know how to sell it so okay so here's the big secret are you ready to hear it you are in control you Encounter problems when the structure of your product sales is not speaking to the psychology of the client's needs and it's devaluing what you are bringing to the table, your secret sauce. You're devaluing it. You are responsible to set the boundaries and guidelines as to what you will and will not do in your scope of work. Delineate what happens if the client goes beyond the scope of work. Limit revisions. Do whatever you need to do. Add in what happens when something is out of scope. Then hold yourself accountable to billing for the additional time. This is a business, folks, not a charity. You have to control your own business parameters as no one else is going to do it for you. And that is the honest to God truth, is it not? Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're gonna have a damn good truth and wrap this up. When you are working towards project pricing, you are going to sharpen every single tool in your work bag. Why? Because you have to. You are making a commitment to deliver x, y, z, and for a certain amount of dollar bills. Yep, it can be scary. But if you are doing it right, you will experience an incredible win-win with your clientele. I promise you this. This is a guaranteed level-up exercise for your business. And after nine years of doing it and six years of teaching it to others, I can tell you this, you will be heads and shoulders above others if you can master project pricing and make it work for you. And here is the thing. If you believe in your business model, then so will your clients. They will, I promise you. If you believe in your business model and you understand all the ramifications and you understand the whys and all of that that goes into it, Okay, not just that I need to make my mortgage payment or whatever, but your clients will also believe in your business model. And that's the truth. I have 23 years of working in this industry straight forward with a team or 21 or 22 now of those 23 years. I haven't taken off time for good behavior or anything else. <laughs> you know? So I'm telling you, you can, you can listen to me on this. You can trust me on it. Okay, so... Thank you very much. I uh, hope you join us next time. Uh, make sure you join our Facebook group, Small Business Think Big, if you're not already on there. And you can find us at damngooddesigner.com. And I hope that you will join us next time. Thank you. Bye. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bad girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter.